0: Good morning,
1: morning.
0: and happy Father's Day. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Mike White, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God, our refuge and our hope, Come among us today to give us energy and purpose. Move us beyond the discipline of the law of the discipleship of faith. Free us from the shackles of fear and a sense of failure that keeps us from stepping bravely into your future. Grant us a sense that we are not alone, but are part of a great company of your faithful people of every nation and tongue, amen. Now as we worship together, May our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised and praised in the glory of God.
1: mm
2: Will you please stand for the call to worship? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let us worship God.
3: On this day, which God has made and given to us, we consider our hearts, the good we have left undone, the harm we have caused, the ways we may have been complicit in tearing the fabric of some of our relationships. On this day, may our confession be not just a recitation, but a deep acknowledgement of what may be broken in our lives. Let us pray our prayer of confession together. Our, our sovereign God, we confess that we have broken covenant with you, despise some of your children, and accuse you of forgiveness. Our lives do not praise you, our actions deny you, and our work is carried out without reference to your will. We draw lines of distinction and our common... When we are jealous for the faith, we trample on others rather than learning to know and appreciate them. O oh God, forgive us and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he treat us as our sins deserve, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. share together that historic creed that we all gather to believe, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from dead. he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. <clears throat> from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> the, forgiveness, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now on this beautiful morning, let us celebrate each other by a time of greeting.
2: Good morning. good morning. We welcome you to Church of the Palms this morning on this, the greatest day of the year. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. Let's give our fathers a round of applause. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I hope you have a good day. We are uh, grateful that you are especially wel- uh, visiting with us today. We would love to know. Uh, of your presence with us, please feel free to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and we hope that uh, that will be an occasion for someone nearby to uh, again welcome you by name and uh, perhaps to uh, begin a conversation with you that will extend beyond even this service today into our fellowship time underneath the tree and, and beyond. So we hope that you will feel this to be a place of welcome for you. We are looking forward to a big week this coming week. Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow, so buckle your seat belts. Uh, this campus will be filled with children and adults that are teaching and uh, we are grateful for all of you who have volunteered for that effort. Uh, you would do yourself a favor to, to pull in at some point in time during the week in the morning and to watch all the many things that are happening here and we're delighted that we'll have the opportunity to minister not only to our own children, but. Uh, to to children uh, throughout our community. So we hope that uh, you'll join us for that. We also are looking forward to uh, ministering to children in our community next month for our Day of Hope and uh, we're continuing to look for more and more volunteers. If you would like especially to be an ambassador, and this is actually one of the great jobs of Day of Hope, it's just simply to walk with families throughout the campus as they receive the services of Day of Hope Uh, and uh, we've talked to so many different ambassadors over the years and what great joy they've had to connect with the family and to be a part of their uh, family's connection to us. So we hope that you'll you'll want to go to the table outside underneath the tree and find out more about that. Uh, Dottie Tao will be happy to talk with you more about Day of Hope and how you can be a part of that uh, great part of our church's ministry. We are so grateful to have you, Chao Wang with us this morning. Where are you? There you are, welcome. It's so great to have you with us from the Sarasota Music Festival Uh, by invitation of Jonathan Spivey. We're grateful that you are here. She comes to us originally from Taiwan by way of the University of Michigan. So um, (laughs) now you understand why she has such talent. So uh, (laughs) we are grateful that you're with us and uh, delighted that we can receive her gifts as a part of our effort to worship our good Lord. Let us continue in that worship. like now to invite our newest members to come before us today. You'll note in your bulletin the insert includes the pictures of the nine people who have recently joined our church and have uh, been before our new members class and have also uh, been before our session to be received into membership and they're here today to be publicly received and uh, we welcome Uh, Before you this morning are nine o'clockers and uh, (laughs) that would include Burton and Sandra Brucker and Patrick and Shirley Wolfe welcome them into our life here. You can now turn to me and uh, we are grateful that you're before us this morning and that you by being before us are yearning to be a part of our life and ministry here at Church of the Palms and our mission to love God and love neighbor, and we are glad that you're here also to answer these questions as you seek to be a part of our membership. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be His disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Well by your answering those questions, you have aligned yourself with our life here at Church of the Palms and our effort to be the body of Christ and our effort to follow Christ in all that we do and all that we say as we seek to be Christ's light in the world and we're glad that you have joined us in that and we are delighted that we can shoulder to shoulder be a part of that common mission as we seek to be that light in the world for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ. So to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the good news that you have loved the world, that you love all the world, and we are thankful, O Lord, that as we gather together here as this community of faith and receive these, our newest members, that we gather together as that very um, unique community that would seek to be that unique witness in the world of your love for all people. We are thankful, O Lord, that you uh, allow us this opportunity, you will call us into this ministry, and that you empower us with your Holy Spirit. And we rejoice, O Lord, that we have a message, a compelling message to share with a world that is so subject to violence, and so subject to bigotry, and so subject to prejudice. And we are grateful, O Lord, that we can be a voice against all those powers. We pray especially today for the those who continue to feel the intensity of the wake of the Orlando shootings. And pray, O Lord, that we, again, might be a voice against that darkness. We pray especially for the gay and lesbian community as they particularly feel this uh, power of darkness and evil. And pray, O Lord, that we might be that community that walks alongside of them (coughs) to make them realize that God so loved the world, all the world that he sent his son. So Lord, we pray that you will help us to join together in this mission of being that unique witness and that you will give us the power that we need, that we may conquer our own fear and our own judgments. And Lord, we pray that as we come to this next moment in our worship, as we gather together our gifts and as we share our gifts with the world, that we may be empowered to be generous, that we may be empowered to know that it is through our generosity and through our thanksgiving that you can do great things, that you can allow us to be even more a witness in the world. We pray, O Lord, that we will be able to, through the generosity of our gifts, to be uh, supporting those great ministries of our church, like Day of Hope, like Vacation Bible School, that we can remind all children that there is this community of love for them. So now we pray your blessing upon us and we thank you for all the good gifts that you have showered upon us, including this prayer that has been taught us by your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom And the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome into the life of the church. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. Great to have you here. Yes. Let's continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you allow us this opportunity to give back to you that which you first gave to us. And pray, O Lord, that you will allow these gifts to be seized for the kingdom of heaven, that through this generosity, others may come to know of this generous God whom we worship, and that they may know that this God so loves us, this God so yearns for us to find grace and mercy in him. So allow these gifts to be light in your world, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment, which includes the baptism of two of our community. Come on up, Knudsen's. It's another big day in the life of Church of the Palms where we'll have the chance to baptize two of our children, come on a little bit closer here, don't be afraid. We rejoice that we are a part of this great covenant community, right, as we celebrate the fact that God has reached out to claim us in his love and that we get to be a part of God's love through our covenantal response to God and to God's people. It is within the Presbyterian tradition that we see that baptism as a sign of being included into the great family of faith and that uh, as we find ourselves included in that family of faith so it is that we can be assured of God's presence in our midst and God's love and grace in our lives. So to that end, we ask questions in baptism so that uh, parents and the congregation can make promises uh, on their child's behalf that they, we all might be that great family for these two wonderful children, Sloan and Benjamin. So Greg and Heidi, we uh, would love to ask you these questions as you bring your two children before us to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your children's behalf and do you look in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise an humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Sloan and Benjamin an example of the new life in Christ? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their ch- children so that in due time they may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? Do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen their ties with the household of God? Will you? let us pray lord we thank you that you have given us your grace and your mercy we thank you that you have loved us from the very beginning of our lives and you will love us through eternity we're thankful that we can be at this moment of baptism that in these waters that we can see the reflection of your love love for our children from beginning to end and pray O lord that by your holy spirit and by these covenants we have made we may sense how you have tethered us to yourself and that we are all your children. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. What do you think, Sloan? Do you want to come to me? Well, what do you think? Huh? Oh, it's okay. I got cold hands. Oh. 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 <laughs> what do you think? What do you think it is? Sloan, Elizabeth, Knudsen, quite contrary to what you wish. I baptize you in the name of the Father oh, and of the Son. Oh, I understand. And of the Holy Spirit. It's okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I have this way with children. I won't pick you up, Benjamin. Benjamin Gregory Knudsen, child of the covenant. Oh, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whew. Yay! And we have something for you from Carol.
1: Hi, hi. And on behalf of Family Ministries, we I would love to officially welcome Benjamin and Sloane to the family to our family of faith. And our vision in Family Ministries is to create a sticky faith in our kids, so that when they grow up and leave us, graduate, they don't leave their faith behind. So, and we know that um, you are the most important influence in their lives. And we know as parents that we aren't the only influence our children need so we want to partner with you as um, as your family to work to love your kids and um, as we as we learn together in this journey of faith um, and so we'd like to present these bibles bible books and a certificate of baptism to commemorate this special day congratulations thank you isn't it a Let blessing for
2: Thank you, O God, for your love for us, your love for all of our families, for your love for all of us as your children. And we thank you, O Lord, especially on this Father's Day, to rejoice in how you surround us and embrace us with your fatherly love, and that we can rejoice to know that you will never let us go. All this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture lessons this morning are from both the Old and New Testaments. You may recall that we began at the beginning of the month, a series on the Psalms, Psalms of the summer, and are choosing the Psalms that are found in the common lectionary as our guide through the different aspects of the book of Psalms. Many of you know that the Psalms incorporate different prayers, they uh, include prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of praise, prayers of lament, prayers of doubt, And uh, through these psalms, we are guided in our own spiritual conversation with God to know that God welcomes all of our prayers, whether they be prayers of praise, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of doubt, prayers of lament, for God is this loving God who yearns to receive us uh, from the depths of our souls. So to that end, we find in Psalm 42, one such psalm. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping the festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, and therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me as with a deadly wound in my body? My adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. And these words that come to us from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And when the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe and they ran forward to greet him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I. I brought you my son, he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak and whenever it seizes him it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid and I asked your disciples to cast it out but they could not do so. He answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you're able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe. But help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And crafter crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can come out only through prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh. In Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. But what if we're wrong is the title of a book recently published by Chuck Klosterman. It's a book I have not read, therefore it is not a book I am recommending. I have no idea how good or bad it is, but I am intrigued by the premise of this book, which wonders about our present state of knowledge. I, heard Mr. Klosterman being interviewed about this book, and he wonders over the possibility that some of our deepest held beliefs, assumptions, and most tightly held premises are supposed ironclad proofs, that maybe someday they will be proven to be incorrect. But what if we're wrong is a reasonable question to ask because we know that Human history is filled with such surprising discoveries. Discoveries that challenge the commonly held belief. When Copernicus suggested that the sun did not rotate around the earth but rather the earth rotated around the sun, it seemed absurd and later when Galileo endorsed it, they threw the poor scientist into jail. When Columbus sailed to the New World, he challenged the commonly held assumption that the world was flat. When William Wilberforce stood before the English Parliament and suggested that no person should ever be considered the property of another person and that the slave trade of England should be abolished, he was maligned by a great portion of his countrymen and churchmen for proposing something so preposterous. Today is June 19th, Juneteenth, the day that that commemorates the end of slavery for the United States, an institution that took four years of civil war and over 600,000 casualties to change. Vincent van Gogh died a rather obscure and marginal artist, but 50 years later was considered one of the great post-impressionists. Emily Dickinson died without a poem of hers published. And now she shares the shelves with the great American bards. But what if we're wrong? Klosterman asks. What if we're wrong, say, for example, about the treatment of disease? What if we're wrong about the merits of democracy? What if we're wrong about our understanding even of things like gravity or theories of the universe? What if we're wrong about capitalism? What if if I'm wrong about Michigan football? Not a chance. What if we're wrong is not an easy question to ask and answer, especially of yourself. For who wants to be wrong? Who wants to think that they're wrong? Maybe because I'm a preacher and raised in a preacher family, I very much like debate and argument. It was a skill honed early in the family rooms of my youth. You can't be a McConnell and not be prepared to defend to the death your position. And to defend to the death your position means you have to be certain. And to be certain means you cannot entertain the possibility that you might be wrong. (laughs) Doubting doesn't work in my family. But What if I'm wrong? What if you're wrong? It's not often a question you hear in church. Church is where you come to be certain, as well we should. Church is where we come to recite our creed, to read from our sacred text, to give praise to our holy God with every desire to find within those practices the timeless truths of reality. We want to know what is fixed, what is unchanging, what we can hold on to, but sometimes we can forget that this is only a part of what church is, right? For while we gather in this great effort to tether ourselves to the fixed anchor of reality, the truth is we bring with us not only our yearning, For certainty, but our struggles with doubt. Church is the community of faith and doubt. You can't be human unless you have a little bit of faith and a little bit of doubt. It is, I suppose, what we see on this Father's Day when we see what Jesus confronted when he came upon this father and son, both of whom were at wit's end. The boy with some condition that convulsed him and rendered him a danger at least to himself and the father with a heart breaking just about every day with less and less hope that anything could be done about his boy and the rabbi from Nazareth whose reputation of healing had preceded him comes upon the scene where nobody seems to know what to do with this father and his boy. Nothing seems to be working par for the course. Nothing ever seems to change when it comes to this boy. So why not one more try, says the father? Why not see if the rabbi can do something? If you're able, he says to Jesus. If I'm able, Jesus says, all all things can be done for those who believe. And then comes perhaps the most honest response to Jesus in the New Testament. Lord, I believe, oh, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, oh, but then again, I don't. Oh, Lord, I'm certain, but boy, I've got a few doubts. Oh, Lord, I want to be a person of faith, but I've gotta be honest with you, I've got these big questions. This father would not last long in the McConnell family. But there is something in this honest father that leaves room in each of our souls for a little bit of doubt, maybe even for a lot of doubt. We hear it in the lines of the psalmist, I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully? Because the enemy oppresses me. As with a a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Life is filled with, with those circumstances that would make us wonder, how much of what I believe is really true? How much can I count on God? What if I'm wrong about my cherished beliefs? C.S. Lewis, after losing the love of his life, wrote a small book called A Grief Observed in which he chronicles his own descent into grief. And all the questions that followed behind, all the doubts that dogged him, This great apologist of of the faith, this, this great rock of the faith, and now the circumstances of life had done a number on him, and as with that psalmist, and as with that honest father, Lewis writes, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms, he continues, of grief. When you're happy, also oh, happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, oh, you will be, or so it feels, welcome with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all their help is in vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face." sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside and after that silence you may as well turn away. The longer you wait the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows, it might be an empty house. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so absent a help in time of trouble, good questions? and questions that every human being, if they're honest with themselves, has somewhere in their souls. Every church, if it's honest with itself, has somewhere within its walls. And these seasons and places of doubt are not much fun, because they shake our sense of certainty, and Lord knows we all want to be certain, and even more so, they point to us what we don't want pointed out, and that is our insecurity. Any chance you have a little insecurity? No, nothing like doubt to make us feel a little more insecure. And yet, if there's anything we have in common with our fellow human beings, it is our insecurity. If there's anything that connects us to the human race, it is the chance that each of us has of not being right. If there's anything that joins us as a community of faith, is that we are a community of faith and not indisputable proof. And we are on this journey to what is ultimate and real, and with that comes all sorts of questions and wonderments and propositions and second thoughts and debate and argument, but what we all hold in common is our insecurity, our lack for all the answers, our query over the ways of God, and that while we do recite our creed and we read from our sacred text, the Bible, and praise our holy God, that leaves still sorts of all sorts of room for us to wonder together and to ask together and to doubt together and to lament together the more in touch I am with my doubt the more in touch I am and sensitive to yours the less sold I am on my certainty the more chance I give myself to listen to yours If I remember back to the debates of my growing up or even to the debates I likely had just last week, I can remember very little of what was said to me because I was too busy thinking of the next thing I was going to say back. Lord, I believe, but the truth is there's still some things I'm not sure about. And is this not-so-sure part of my life, the grief, the questions, the uncertainty, the fear, the insecurity, where I will be most open to the life and thoughts and wonder of another. Miroslav Volf tells the story about a Franciscan monk from Bosnia, Ivo Markovic, whose family was caught up in the tragic events of the Balkan Wars between the Croats, the Bosnians, and the Serbs. And in the priest's home village, Suzange, Muslim Bosnians had swept through the town, killing just about everybody in sight, including nine of the father's Catholic family. Later, as the war quieted, Father Markovic returned to the village and to his childhood home, where some of his family had been slaughtered. His childhood home was now occupied by a fierce Muslim woman who was, char- who was armed and dangerous. The father was warned not to go, but he did. And as he approached the house, there on the stoop was an old, was that old woman with a cigarette in her mouth and brandishing a rifle. Go away or I'll shoot you. She cocked the gun. The priest, with a gentle but firm voice, responded, no, you won't shoot me, instead you'll make for me a cup of coffee, and with that he took one tentative step. She stared at him for a moment, and then slowly put down the rifle, went to the kitchen. She took the last bit of coffee she had, mixed it with a few grounds to make just enough coffee for the two of them to drink. Two mortal enemies sat down at a table sipping the nectar of the gods. They began to talk. And out came all the insecurity. The old woman spoke of her loneliness, of her home that she lost, of the son who had never returned from the wars. And the priest spoke of almost all the same things. When Father Markovich returned a month later, the woman told him, I rejoice at seeing you as much as if my son had returned. Don't you think that when Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged, that the thing that he was pointing out to you and me was our insecurity? Judgment comes from our insecurity. If I judge the other, then I don't have to judge myself. And if I don't judge myself, then I don't have to understand myself. And on top of it, I can delude myself into thinking that I can understand someone else's story better than I can understand my own. How can you remove, Jesus continues, the splinter in your neighbor's eye while you have a two by four in your own? Fair question. The best doubt you might ever have, Jesus says, is of yourself. What if I'm wrong? The possibility of it might be a good thing, not just for you, but maybe for your neighbor. This came crashing down on me a few years ago when I was up in New Jersey preaching at a summer chapel where I preach every summer. It's a beautiful little chapel where I preach and I get to stay in a house right next to the chapel, a beautiful little house. And next to that house is this narrow, narrow little driveway into which a regular car barely fits, but that's our driveway A few years ago, the people next door had visitors and the visitors parked out onto the street. They had a few cars and it was their right to park on the street, but there were more cars than there were parking spaces, at least by that little bit where invariably every day they would park about a foot and a half into my driveway. This happened day after day after day. And each day I got angrier and angrier and angrier. What right do they have to park my driveway, of course it wasn't my driveway, it was the driveway of this wonderful house that had been given me to live in, but that's a whole other point. (laughs) I never spotted the trespassers, but I couldn't wait to bump into one of them and give them a little piece of my mind, a little piece of the certainty of my judgment. So Sunday rolls around and I conduct worship in the little chapel, and after worship, as I'm greeting people, a gentleman comes out the door and introduces himself as a visitor to the home next to mine. Ha ha! I could not wait, but before I could get any words out, the man says to me, I was wondering, Reverend, if you could pray for my daughter. We are here visiting her. She lives next door to your house. Would you pray for her? She's 42 years old and been given just a couple more months to live, and we're all here to encourage her. My heart fell my eyes filled, and now for some reason, this foot and a half of driveway, heaven's sake, they can have the whole driveway. But it was the certainty of judgment that kept me from seeing the whole story. There is a lot of certainty, I suppose, behind the barrel of an MCX rifle. Certainly not much room to consider the stories of the 49 to whom it is pointed. There's a lot of certainty, I suppose, in the self-righteous condemnation of this group, that group. Certainly not much room to consider the stories of those who fall under this category or that category. There's a lot of certainty, I suppose, in the personal attacks of this campaign or that campaign. Certainly not much room to consider the stories of those whose hopes and dreams are represented by the other side. There's a lot of certainty behind the judgment, my judgment, of this person or that person's behavior, lifestyle. Certainly not much room to consider what story there might be behind it. But what if we're wrong? I suppose it would mean we had joined the human race. And not just joined it, but embraced it.